What's up, guys? Welcome to the Humans of MarTech podcast. His name is John Taylor. My name is Phil Gamash. Our mission is to future-proof the humans behind the tech so you can have a successful and happy career in marketing. Okay, for this episode, we're going to talk about diet SEO for lean gains. I've been an SEO for about 10 years, and one thing that always comes to mind for me is that meme of you know, what my friends think I do, what my mom thinks I do, what society thinks I do, what my business thinks I do, what my peers think I do, and then what do I really do? The thing about SEO, it's very, you know, obfuscated with a whole bunch of uh, different technical things and jargon, but the truth is, is SEO, in my opinion, is very approachable. And so in this episode, we're going to talk about some of the pragmatic, low-cost ways that you can improve your SEO. Let's do it, JT. Why don't we uh, start off with um, telling the folks like your SEO story? Uh, I know that like SEO is super close to your heart, and like when you started way back at Clipfolio, kind of one of the early employees, you were a technical writer, and you kind of migrated over into SEO, and you were a, a big part of that that organic growth. So why don't you like talk about that that journey a little bit? I think it's super cool. Yeah, I mean total accident that I ended up in SEO or marketing to begin with. Um, my journey in SEO started with a simple blog post. I wrote a blog post, ghost wrote it for uh, the CEO of Clipfolio, pushed it out. Um, and then I started having this nagging question of what is it doing, right? Um, as a driving traffic. And so he gave me access to Google Analytics and that just kind of opened up the whole universe for me. And I went, holy crap, this thing's generating hits. And then I actually did the, the the core step that every SEO does at some point in their life. They Googled themselves and <laughs> saw that I that I ended up in the top result. And I thought, this is pretty cool. We should work, we should do more of this, right? And as a writer, as somebody who is trained as a writer, it was a natural extension of my own, you know, curiosity and, and work on the support side to be able to bring that into a, a marketing context. So from there, like, honestly, the early stages of SEO was uh, just a bunch of writing. And I think that's where a lot of SEOs get their start. They're, they're strong writers. Uh, they enjoy, you know, putting out content into the universe. Um, they have a good intuitive sense of what people are searching and what what is helpful content. And then the other component of SEO where the, the rubber meets the road, so to speak, is when you start to track it and you start to see the results and start to want to improve that. Mm -hmm. um, you know, something I'd... Uh, I don't want to. I don't want to go too deep on this, but we did see a lot of growth at Clipfolio from organic traffic. It it became one of the main tra uh, drivers of our of our growth, particularly during our high growth phase, where we saw you know consistently doubling or tripling traffic over the course of about five or six years. Um, and a lot of this has to do with understanding what content uh, people are looking for. And again, this episode is all about the tips and tricks that that got us to that point. There's lots. To, to unpack an SEO land and there's some, some high budget items and some things that you can pay for. But this episode is all focused on things that, that you don't have to pay for. Cool, man. So why don't um, you kind of share with the audience what you think is the most important skill for uh, an SEO to have today? Like there's the technical part of SEO. There's like content writers and deciding to do like keyword research and understanding search intent, uh, project management too. Like there's so many aspects to SEO. So like folks that are super early in their journey, like what, what advice do you have for, for some of the skills that they should focus on? Yeah, I think, you know, there's a whole gamut of what you can focus on in SEO, as you pointed out. I think that <clears throat> it depends a little bit on where you're at. If you're like me at the beginning of my career working for a small startup, 
Um, I would absolutely say that uh, developing a strong intuition for what your users and what your customers are searching for, number one skill. Um, because as an SEO, you don't have to be a great writer, but you do have to understand what the market is looking for. You have to right. be able to go to the customer's perspective, reverse engineer that and put that into Google and be the top result for that. Um, how you do this is a really interesting question. Um, so the, the two pragmatic tips I have for developing your intuition is one, talk to your customers, read their support tickets. That's how I got so much inspiration for my early SEO work at, at uh, Clipfolio, because I, w I was reading tickets because I was writing support articles and I saw that they were searching things and asking us questions like, what is a KPI? And there wasn't a good answer on the internet. So I wrote one. And then I researched it and then I improved it. And next thing you knew, it became, you know, a massive topic that we were able to dominate for years. Um, so one is read what their your users are asking for. The other one is Google. Do you lots and lots of Google searches. Um, the more you Google uh, terms related to your business, the more you understand what content is being served up what Google thinks is appropriate content for your users. Um, and then you can start to get that traffic and analyze what happens on your website. I love that. That's, that's great advice. Like if you're especially starting off and you know that there's like a couple of keywords uh, that are important to you. Like if you're at Clipfolio, like dashboards and KPI are kind of the main keywords at close. Uh, we're looking for like CRMs and sales tools. So there's, there's a lot of like different, um, like intent that's kind of behind, uh, their search terms. And you mentioned like chatting with customers is, uh, or, or potential customers is a super cool part of, of that. Like we did a whole episode on the email courses that we kind of rolled out at Clipfolio. And a big part of that was like sitting down with people that were at the top of the funnel that were like viewing those, like, what is a KPI and understanding like what they were trying to discover. Like obviously the intent there is informational. They're looking for information on KPI. They're not ready to start like a dashboard um, like trial right away but there's a way to educate those folks down understanding the intent there so like don't put a trial CTA on that first page of like what is a KPI like push people to other parts of your site mm -hmm. um, I think that's well, super cool and I think I think the part of intuition that SEOs need to develop is understanding that like a keyword search does not equal a customer right, right. you need to understand and place that keyword search into the customer journey. You're still a marketer, right? As an SEO, you still have to understand the customer journey, the life cycle, and move people along and understand what they're looking for. The other point I'd like to make here is around keywords and this idea uh, that I've always talked a lot about with my teams is topical authority, right? As you're starting to think about keywords, the, the one thing I probably hate the most about SEO is this uh, old school look of like, oh, we got to have this keyword or that keyword. Uh, look, I want my rankings just as much as the next person. But at the end of the day, to establish yourself in this ultra competitive SEO market, you need to establish topical authority. You don't go to Moz because you want to read about social media marketing trends. You go there because you want to learn about SEO. Right. And I think you establish that type of foothold in the market and you can build off of that. You know, if you see a term that you want that's ancillary to your core, but hey, it'll help me get more traffic and, and if, you know, it makes sense for the customer journey. You've got to establish this authority and that happens by writing good content and by, you know, understanding what people want and how it leads into the, the ideal customer journey for your company. Totally. I love it. Um, 
You know, like one thing that we chatted a bit about is, you know, SEO is extremely competitive. Uh, I remember when we were together at, at Folio, competitors seemed to be like running our playbook. Like they would, um, you know, try to, to to match us on like the, the keyword uh, for KPIs. And like we would look at the articles that they wrote and be like, oh, wow, like this is super similar. Like they're using almost the identical headers throughout the page. Um, so like, you know, it, it made things tough uh, for us, like to, to kind of like increase those, those rankings over time. Like what, what advice do you have for folks that are, you know, looking at the competitive landscape of what other people are doing in there and kind of like eating their cake a little bit? Yeah. I mean, the, the SEO gold rush is over in my opinion. The idea that you can just run somebody's playbook and kind of nudge up around their results and provide an alternative without providing like additional value I mean, you might still rank and you might still be there, but if you're if you're really thinking long term and future proofing your SEO, you've got to think differently. So a few things that I'll say around competitive SEO is, you know, start with your Google search result. Who who are you competing with on on a search result? What's interesting is sometimes you don't compete against your direct, you know, competitors in your product space. You might be competing against, you know, Wikipedia. That's a weird one. Um, I know I've competed against Wikipedia on SEO before, and um, you really got to understand then why are you competing? Why does Google think you compete on this? Because ultimately Google chooses what it shows on those results. Users help to impact that a little bit, but at the end of the day, you need to understand why your competitors are in that space. When you do see your competitors on there, and this goes for direct competitors or indirect SEO competitors, open up their website, take a look at their page. Um, if you have some HTML chops, uh, take a look at the actual HTML, the underlying structure. In that, sometimes you find advantages that they've given up, for instance. like. I'll give you a quick tip. If I'm looking at somebody's website and they're competing, you know, one-to-one -one with a term that I have and I want to win on that term and I open up their structure and I see that their heading tags aren't optimized. Okay. There's an opportunity. If I see their intro body text is lacking, you know, a list, right? Oh, I can use a unordered list at the top of my uh, post. To, to be able to provide content in a more consumable manner to my to my end users. And that will have people dwell on the page longer because they'll have a better sense of the structure of the page and move, move down that page. So finding these types of on-page opportunities is super important. The other aspect, which we'll talk a little bit more about uh, in, in a few, few minutes, is the technical SEO. This is where, like, all things being equaled, you having a better technical SEO structure absolutely is a game changer for you. Cool. Um, let's chat about uh, tools a little bit. Um, a lot of folks kind of think of like SEMrush and Hrefs as kind of like the the tools uh, that like an SEO needs to to kind of get started with. Um, I know that you're you're kind of a proponent of like before you spend money on on some of these tools, like they're they're free things that you can get from some of the other tools. Like there's a ton of stuff you can dig through in GA, and I know you're a huge fan of Search Console as well. Um, walk us through like some of the things that you do uh, in Search Console to to kind of get some some analytics on uh, on the SEO stuff you're doing. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's a shocker to me, just like when I was in consulting, how often people didn't configure this uh, connection. And I think sometimes the problem is, is your webmasters don't sit in, in marketing. So it's like, oh, I've got to reach across. I got to know to ask for this. But if, if you don't have Search Console enabled in your Google Analytics account, uh, go, go talk to people until you figure out how to do that. Because there's almost endless value um, from this. And I know like 
there's just so many different tool sets that you can apply. Like my one of my favorite quick tips is is filtering things like crazy and looking at everything on the second page. Um, this is definitely advice borrowed from Andy Crestadina, but the idea that you know uh, it, out of billions of search results, you've managed to end up in the 11th position or 19th position. It's not that far to get onto the first page, and the difference between first page clicks and second page clicks it's, is, is a game changer, right? Second page is a great way to get no clicks to your website. <laughs> um, so, you know, if you see something on the second page, it's ripe for optimization. I say third, fourth, even fifth page, you, you, you actually have more room to improve these types of pieces of content. This is where a competitive researcher, just search research comes in, you know, looking at the SERP results. Hey, I'm on the fifth page. How come I'm, I'm on the fifth page and everybody else is on? You know, my competitors are on the first page. Lots of factors in there. It's up to you as an SEO to reverse engineer that. But this starts to give you the clues that you need to find the places to become more competitive. I'd also say, like, uh, again, in Google Analytics, one thing that always surprises me, people haven't set up goal tracking. Goal tracking allows you to do automatic tracking across your, your analytics platform against things and events on your website. So if you're, you know, demo requests or you know form submissions and you don't have that configured up to a goal in google analytics you're missing out on insights like crazy um, in search console you can actually see your top converting pages by goal so if you have five different goals webinar signups email subscriptions registrations etc you can actually sort by those so then you're starting to pair search volume with search intent hey are the people that i'm bringing to my website actually good fits to be my customer uh, Goal completions is, is the most accurate way to see that in an analytics and in Google Analytics. I also say things like being able to sort by your CTRs. You know, what, what are your click-through rates? Right now, everybody's fighting tooth and nail to improve your click-through rate. Um, and we're living in an era where Google's manipulating search results and having, you know, compiling uh, the descriptions and describing, compiling the text from your website and putting it on their own website um, and making it harder for people to click through. Featured snippets is a great thing for SEOs when you win them, um, but it does impact how many people come to your website. GA GA's used to have like a lot of keyword data in, in GA, right? Like you could go in GA and look at like the search query that people like plugged in before they got to your site. Um, they changed a lot of the, the rules around that and there's almost no data in GA around that. But in Search Console, there's there's still like a ton of data around that, right? So you talked about like looking and diving into to CTRs and, and looking at pages and keywords. I loved seeing um, like a report on a monthly basis of like what were the most... Uh, like the, the most popular keywords that drove people to our site. And then you get to dive into like the the intent behind those keywords, right? And you can see kind of mm -hmm. a trend, uh, maybe an increasing trend in like informational search intent, but like maybe a decreasing intent in transactional. So like there's a lot of cool insights that you can kind of pick up there. Like one specific keyword might be like growing a lot faster than mm -hmm. another one. And like you mentioned, I love like seeing the ones that you're performing really well on like page two or page three but like check out like who's got um search result number one like oftentimes yeah they they have that big domain authority helping them to to get spot number one but like they're doing something with that search intent like google is placing them number one because people are finding that page and like they're sticking there so like they're following the intent mm -hmm. so check out the intent of that first result is it transactional is it informational and you can kind of like uh replicate that and make it uh, even better yeah absolutely 
Boom. Um, maybe we can finish on this. I know you wanted to make this a, a kind of like fast, actionable um, episode. Uh, I know that you you talked a lot about a voice search when I was at Clifolio, like way way back in the day. And um, I've actually seen like a couple of tweets uh, about voice search recently, and I didn't realize that it was such a, a polarized topic. So the tweet was from Morty Oberstein, and he is liaison to the SEO community for Wix. Huge SEO fan. He's he's verified on Twitter. He's got uh, four plus uh, K followers. He said, uh, hey, I just realized no one talks about voice search anymore. Remember when that was supposed to dominate search forever? And he's got the MJ uh, gif in there. And he got like 500 likes uh, on this tweet. And it kind of like erupted uh, this storm of like SEOs that were all about search. And um, this one guy is like, oh, so you think you have the, the ability to detect voice search over I typed it in the KB search? Um, so uh, a really cool kind of like uh, polarizing uh, side of SEO. Um, but I, yeah, I was just really curious to get your take on voice search. Yeah, I so interesting, right? Uh, I remember that you know, voice was going to take over the universe. I think that we have to be prepared for the fact that Google and search engines are optimizing for voice. Whether voice search has taken over the world or not is actually not really part of the equation for me. It's how how is what's the trend around Google and what's the trend around uh, providing search engine results to people. And right. increasingly, no matter how you look at it, featured snippets, um, voice search, we are providing, uh, Google is providing answers to your inquiries on Google's page. So, you know, you think about asking a question, do you ask three questions? Do you, do you say, oh, I don't, you know, hey, hey Siri, uh, do I have, you know, what is a KPI? It's going to serve you up one result. It's not going to serve you up list. Hey, do, do, who do you want to hear from? So I think this is really interesting to think of is that the movement and the trend is towards these these platforms providing answers within the platform as, as opposed to sending you to another site. I'd also say is that optimizing for voice search is a really intriguing kind of trend that I've been digging into more and more. I've talked about this with you offline, but like I downloaded the voice utility or enabled the voice utility app on my Mac and spent a week going combing through my websites and having it spit out and and getting used to using it as somebody who has uh, an impairment to hear how how does it render my website very mm -hmm. fascinating stuff when you start to think about how do you optimize your writing how do you optimize your content for voice putting yourself in the perspective of having a machine read out your your content to you you start to feel a little bit differently about how you structure your content right mm -hmm. editorializing your content right after a header that's in my opinion it's a it's a not a best thing to do if you're optimizing so like for instance one of the changes that i made for optimizing for for voice is if I have a heading, like what is blah, 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 immediately following that heading, I answer that question in simple English. Then if I want to throw in my, my clever little editorialized content, I'll do that in the second paragraph right after that. And so this is some of the discoveries that I think are, are still going to be made. And the, the Google algorithm and, and all the search engine algorithms are definitely moving towards this as a way to interpret and then display these results how you optimize for search that's the problem people run into it's it's a total cluster like how do i optimize for voice and then there's crickets <laughs> yeah it's tricky like if if you really think that voice search is simply is kind of like novel thing like despite like um everything around it like 
talking to someone in linguistics or like a, a language professional and, and see what they tell you based on like uh, the difference in, in keywords over time. Like uh, I think it's definitely not like a, a novelty thing. And uh, like the, the real SEOs know that like they're, they're, there's a change on, on that landscape. So I love the take that you had there. I know you wanted to touch on um, a bit of technical SEO side. Uh, we talked a lot about like search intent and, and content. Um, why don't you kind of finish off on uh, some of the more technical aspects of SEO? Yeah, I mean, technical SEO is where that meme comes back in, where people like have absolutely no clue what you're doing. And as somebody who who kind of veers more towards the technical side of marketing anyways, I, I would say that this is what you need to understand about technical SEO. As an SEO, your job is to help project manage your website and to make sure that the best things are being done. Your job is not to go quote unquote, minify JavaScript. It's not to go optimize images. It's for you to call out those issues and to have at least a surface level understanding, ideally more, of what the it entails to fix those issues. And so the two things I'll call out is quick tips like Google Page Insights. Every time I run an SEO audit, I spend a good amount of time on the Page Insights tool. Enter your site, see how it performs on mobile. Talking about optimizing for voice, Google is optimizing for mobile and it optimizes for mobile on shitty uh, uh, data connections, right? So if your site is taking a long time to print, is taking a long time to paint, you're gonna have issues um, moving forward. The other one is Lighthouse, a Chrome developer tool that you can open up, inspect your element, it's right there. Uh, it just gives you a super technical review of your website. My recommendation, however, from this is don't just cut and paste these reports and s email this off to a developer. It's a great way to piss off a developer. Uh, instead, grab some time and sit down with them and understand what's going on. If you don't understand what these things are, don't ask somebody to fix them. So take the time to understand that. Add, add technical SEO to your toolkit um, by just project managing these, these issues. I love it, man. Super cool stuff. I think there's probably a suite of episodes that we can do uh, on SEO. I know it's uh, super close to your heart, but I think there's a lot of actionable tips that you've uh, shared with uh, our listeners here. So there you have it, folks. Uh, SEO doesn't have to be uh, super scary, and there's some uh, actionable practical tips that uh, JT just dropped. If you haven't yet, uh, open up Search Console and uh, really dive in there. You can export that and throw it in a Google Sheet, uh, and a couple quick pivot tables allow you to like get some really cool insights on how people are getting to your site. Boom. Okay, cool. I'm going to grab a coffee quick. Okay, sounds good.